Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 155. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. The Super Bowl is over. Valentine's Day is over. The Olympics are just about over. But the pandemic is still not over. The division in America is still not over. The winter is still not over. And the stress and the drama of this modern world we live in is still not over. And our time to stay vigilant is still not over. Now is still a time to stay vigilant. If Russia does invade in the days and weeks ahead, the human cost for Ukraine will be immense. And the strategic cost for Russia will also be immense. If Russia attacks Ukraine, it'll be met with overwhelming international condemnation. The world will not forget that Russia chose needless death and destruction. Invading Ukraine will prove to be a self-inflicted wound. The United States and our allies and partners will respond decisively. By the time you hear this podcast, Russia may have already invaded Ukraine, and the U.S. will be involved, and we'll have a whole new war, like we didn't have enough shit to deal with already. We're all tired as hell right now. And over the last few years of all of it, we're all depleted. From the pandemic, to the political drama, to the possible new world war with Ukraine, it never ends. And mid-February can be the hardest time of year, even in the best of times. So here we are. The no shit is that these are definitely not the best of times. Many of us are exhausted, beaten down, and wounded, and none of us is unchanged. And the global post-COVID mental health crisis is just getting started. 2022 will be the year we end the pandemic and start the suffering that follows. From suicide to divorce to bankruptcies to alcoholism, it's all happening. And it's getting worse. The kids are not okay. The teachers are not okay. The nurses are not okay. The moms are not okay. The dads are not okay. We are not okay. Not at all. But we can be. We can get through it. To better days. To healthier lives. To happier times. But we all need help making that happen. This is a time especially to look for the helpers. Every single one of us is a fighter. If you're still alive after the last two years, you're a fighter. But fighters get beaten up. And when you're beaten up the most, when you're exhausted, when you're depleted, that's when you need those folks in your corner to keep you focused, to keep you drinking water, to take care of your cuts to tell you to take a rest, and to keep you in the fight. Those are the helpers, and we all need them the most 
when we're tired. That's when every fighter needs a helper to help you hold on. You got to hold. Anna Marie Cox is one of those helpers that is now rising to meet this moment. She's been to the dark edge and is coming back to help others avoid it. After decades as a media innovator and a self-described troublemaker, the trailblazing founding editor of Wonkette, the political columnist and the culture critic you may know from cable TV news and places like MTV, Esquire, The Washington Post, and her highly successful podcast, Friends Like These, Anna has launched a new life and a new column. And it's focused on sobriety, but also on her Christianity, on her experiences, and on her unique brand of wisdom. This is a very different kind of episode because these are a very different kind of times. We're all tired. And we all need all the help we can get. And I hope this episode brings you some help, brings you some perspective, brings you some strength, and brings you some tools, something, anything, to help you stay vigilant. Because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And that vigilance is required right now more than ever. But not just with regard to Ukraine or to Afghanistan, or to voting rights, or to election problems, or to fighting domestic extremism. That vigilance is required now to ensure we're taking care of ourselves. Because you can't fight in the future if you can't survive today. And especially now, if you're depleted, if you're exhausted, if you're demoralized, if you're isolated, if you're alone, you might feel like you can't fight anymore. It's hard to fight when you're exhausted. But that's often when the fight is most important. And it's where you need a boost and to boost others. And that's what this episode, this moment, and this country is all about. Welcome to a real discussion about the suck. That's what this time is for our country, for our world, and for ourselves. This is the hardest part. This is the suck. But we all bond in the suck. So welcome to the suck. And welcome to the journey out of it. Welcome to Independent Americans. Episode 155. gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. Uh, this is a really strange, amazing, frustrating, exhausting time in politics, in life, in the world. Uh, and I am very happy to be bringing a guest that I think can be a guide through all of it. 
no pressure. But but you are a uh, a trailblazer in the media and in much more. And I am very lucky to have been able to call you a friend over the years. Uh, joining us today, the great and powerful Anna Marie Cox finally joins us on Independent Americans. Welcome, my friend. I am so happy to be here. I I, I feel like I should have come earlier, but I'm here last. Uh, I, you are you are there uh, early on most things, right? And, and I, I want I want to get into all of that, but I think I feel like uh, you know you were like one of the first people on Twitter. You know, you were doing the Wonkette. You know, you you were doing podcasting. Now you're doing this new column. You're kind of always ahead of the curve, and and I think that's a really important perspective to get, especially in times like this when we think about what's next and what else. But that's where you always are. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the secret to my success, Paul, is I keep getting like laid off and fired from traditional <laughs> media. And so I have to do something else. And I'm not, I'm a tough fit. I mean, I don't think it's, it's controversial for me to say that. I'm a tough fit at traditional places. And I have to do things that I'm my own boss. I mean, sometimes I wish that that wasn't the case, you know, mm, like mm. I love editors, but I would be bad with a boss. I am bad mm. with bosses. Let's just mm. stick it with I'm bad with bosses. <laughs> I, can, I, I can relate. You are among friends here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if anybody can relate, it's me. I mean, I have not fit in a box. And that's why I started my own media company in part, because I don't fit anywhere. And I'm not great with especially bosses that I don't have a lot of respect for, which is even harder than just a boss, right? Um, but let me walk it all the way back and 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 say, the, sorry, the question I ask of everyone, where are you in, in the world and how are you? Okay. Uh, well, I am in Austin, Texas, specifically. I'm in South Austin. Um, it is not yet the cool part of Austin to the extent that Austin has cool and uncool parts. Um, but I am living in the first house that I bought for myself. Um, I'm living alone for the first time in a long time because I'm newly single. And I guess I'm emphasizing the physical location because I'm just so happy. Like mm. I have wanted to come back to Austin for 20 years, you know, ever since I left basically mm. and never could. Uh, Cause I was usually in, had a partner that had a real job. <laughs> And, you know, the thing that I did when I, you know, my marriage was breaking apart was I was, I could, I could move here. Mm. Um, and that's, that's one of the many upsides and a yard for the dog. Uh, I have great neighbors. Um, and as far as like where I am in my life, I guess I covered that a little bit too. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, started a new chapter in my life almost exactly a year ago and less than a year ago in December, I start. I mean, I don't know. Can you have multiple chapters like overlap as far as new chapters go? <laughs> um, cause, uh, I left crooked and sort of, um, bid a fond farewell to the podcast I was doing there. I think we were just done, you know, like, Oh, can I put new batteries in my light? Sorry. Sure. Sure. Are you edit the sure. video? I can, video. if you'd like okay. me to. Sure. All right. I can, Thanks. I can pause it there and pick it back up. Cause I do look really dark if I don't have the light. Sure. Whatever you well, prefer. You know what? This is fine. We'll do this. Okay. 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 Sorry. It's I'm okay. going to start over. It's okay. Oh, I, well, whatever. Um, so. Multiple chapters. Right. So then <laughs> yeah. in December, 
I kind of had yet another chapter start and I don't know if you can have overlapping new chapters or if it's just a new chapter on its own, but uh, I bid a fond farewell to my old podcast with friends like these. It just, you know, it's, it was, it was a, you know, legacy of the Trump era in a lot of ways. Mm. And it didn't feel fresh to me anymore. Um, I felt just a little constricted and that's a bad feeling for me. So I am now a little bit casting about, I have this new column. Um, I have some other projects. The most, I think the thing that you and your listeners might be interested in if they know who I am is that I'm very intentionally not looking to talk about politics anymore. Mm. Like, Mm. I don't want to say I'm done, actually. I shouldn't say anymore, but it's political journalism. I'm interested in politics. Political journalism, I'm not so interested in, Mm. put it that way. I would love to pull that apart in whatever way is most comfortable to you. But when I when I think about the all of that, um, I, I think about how this is a really interesting time for a lot of folks to start new chapters or to m- have multiple chapters at the same time. You can have this kind of portfolio existence now, and, and especially pen, post-pandemic, where you can do a couple of different things. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to have you on right now is because I think this is maybe the hardest time of the year. Right. As someone who has worked in mental health and community outreach and politics and all of that, you get to like mid-February. And that is the especially in the Northeast, in places where it's cold, people feel depleted, people feel exhausted. Um, You know, it feels like summer will never come. And that's when you need inspiration and counsel and guidance, all the things that you have provided, whether it was intentional or not. But let me ask you a question, if I can, Anna. When did we meet? I'm trying to think of when we first met. I was at time and I think you were an influential person Mm. in some way. I think we had a party for like the 50 most influential people in DC, or maybe mm. it was, I was at GQ because both places did that. <laughs> I, had, I, I looked in my phone because you've been at GQ and Wonkette and MTV and so many other places. And, and I, I, had, I don't know if I put it or in maybe there. Maybe it was at a there? convention. One of the it conventions. I, I put it as your title. I had troublemaker. Yeah. That's was, what I used to have on my business. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I thought it was so cool. So that went in my business, in, in my phone. But I also think we had this kind of situation where I felt like I knew you because we're on TV all the time, almost next to each other. So it's like feeling like your friends know, know your other friends. Media when they never friends. Actually met. Yeah. 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 So we're in that ecosystem, but I remember seeing you in Austin at South by and, yep. and that was a place that's a place that always gives me energy. I love Austin. And, you know, even now you're ahead of the curve. You're in a part of Austin. That's not yet cool. will be, <laughs> will be, will be soon. When everybody gets, but, when the hipsters get priced out of the other areas, they'll yeah. come here <laughs> and then but, but, I'll lose the neighborhood will lose its diversity, which will be sad, but I hope all my neighbors get huge buyouts. That's what I hope for them. <laughs> I hope that for every neighbor everywhere that wants to yeah. be bought out. Right. Yeah. Um, but when we look at, if you don't want to, you can always give me the stiff arm if you don't want to go into politics, but I want to ask you to pull it out from a macro perspective. When you look at politics, media, now you're in, I don't want to call it self-help, but like wellness, (laughs) sobriety, like this really important space that I think is where it all intersects, right? Um, When you look at the world, where are we? Where do you think we are 
in, in this moment in America, as all those things intersect, you know, you do think about these things and you, you dabble in so many areas. So, so where are we as a country right now, in your view? Things are not good, Paul. <laughs> um, so you may have mentioned, and I know you'll mention it in the show notes that uh, the podcast I currently do is kind of a, um, a passion project podcast uh, with Dan Dresner, uh, who's a political columnist and international relations professor. And we do a podcast about science fiction and from a political perspective, basically. Um, we started actually covering The Expanse, and I know hopefully we'll talk about The Expanse more. Um, but because uh, he wrote a column about how ex The Expanse was the best show about politics on television. And I was working at the Sci-Fi Channel at the time. And I think I had written a column about the expanse and labor politics. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. yep. Yep. <laughs> so peanut butter, chocolate, you know, um, we got together and we started doing recaps, official recaps for Sci-Fi. And then Sci-Fi pulled all its podcast. Anyway, I'm only talking about that because he and I talk about politics and people are patrons often ask us when we do our AMAs, like political questions, right? Mm -hmm. And what I have realized, we did one just last weekend, is those are so depressing. Like, you know, they'll, they'll ask about the Canadian truckers, right? Or the January 6th commission or the Texas uh, school um, board stuff that's happening. Maybe know or don't know, but parents are like, Parents wrote in to try and get rid of like Ibram X. Kendi's book mm -hmm. uh, and also the lottery, Shirley Jackson's story. <laughs> um, so, and it's just pretty bleak. I, I mean, there are people fighting the good fight like there always are, right? There are always people fighting the good fight. Uh, but from a macro perspective, You know, people are tired. Mm, I really think, yeah, tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bad things are happening, and it's it's hard to fight when you're tired. Yeah, I really want. I wanted to go. I wanted to get into that with you because I've, you know, I've. If, if we use the construct of the pandemic as a war, and we are close to the mm. end of the war, what people who have been around war and experienced war know is when the war ends the real suffering begins and, and not everybody comes home wounded, but nobody's unchanged. And I think we're just starting to see the long tail of the pain and the carnage of what, you know, we could call a war, but the mental health challenges, the family challenges, you know, I've been writing about kids as someone who's teaching in college and has preschoolers, like I'm seeing it, the kids are not all right. We're not all right. And I think there's an important intersection that's happening that, that I think a lot about, and I think you're touching on, I'm an activist. You're whether you wanted to be or not, you've been an activist. Oh yeah. We've, we've now, one of the fight. reasons I got out of yeah. political journalism is yeah. I wanted to I wanted yeah. to do more fighting and less writing. Yeah. And we've been fighting for a long yeah. time and we're tired, right? And you can you can it's 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 the it's the it's the global war on terror, right? It's just never ending. It's the forever war. And a lot of us are tired. And the old folks, a lot of older folks, the Vietnam generation older, have been like hanging on and they're literally dying. 
right? They're, they're dying. And we are like now becoming the elders. And this new generation, you know, hasn't kind of gotten their footing yet. They're starting to. But I think that feeling of depletion and tired and exhaustion is really important to talk about. And I will tell you, too, I think men are having an especially hard time talking. White men are talking having an about especially it? hard yes. talking about it. Yes. yes. Talking in, about in a, it, yes. In a I thought you were saying they're having an especially hard time. And no. I was going to be like, Paul. No, 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 no. No, but I think That's your reaction okay. underscores why I think it's hard. Because because they don't feel like and I, this is the conversation white guys happen with other white have with other white guys. Right. And other guys, too. But like they just don't talk about it. Right. And that's always been a thing in this country. Um, but all that is to say the pain is coming from all sides and you're now in the pain space. Right. You're talking about sobriety. You're helping people through it. So can you talk about the column? Right. And and why you want to do that? Why do you want to put your energy and all this experience into that now? It was the first thing I thought of when I realized I was going to close the curtains on with friends like these. It was literally when I was like, what do I want to do next? Uh, In complete transparency, I thought about it as a newsletter first. (laughs) But I think, you know, with the exception of every friend that I have with a newsletter, I think the newsletter market is maybe not great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I also like having an editor and I like honing my work. Um, I don't want the freedom. It's funny. I don't like bosses, but I don't want the freedom to publish the first thing I think. Right. Um, so that's why it's a column. Mm-hmm. And as far as like why it's about sobriety is <sighs> I don't want to cry, but this last year, was the hardest year of my life. Um, You know, the divorce had a lot of challenges in it um, on a lot of different levels. Hmm. Uh, Also, there was, um, you know, this podcast to deal with that didn't feel right sometimes. Um, My father has... I'm dealing with family, some family stuff mm-hmm. and new house, you know, um, new life. And every time, and I've, I've said this before, maybe not in public, but it's the hardest year of my life, including the first year I was sober, including the year my mom died of alcoholism. But every time things got really bad, Every time I felt like I might be hopeless, I stayed sober. Hmm. Um, It's the thing in my life that's, it's the most important thing in my life. And it, it's funny. People think sobriety is work, but sobriety gives me strength. Hmm. The work that I do to maintain my sobriety gives me strength. It keeps Mm. keeps me connected to other people, you know, like for my sobriety, I got to go to meetings because I take, I just take my sobriety super seriously. Right. Like I had got to go to meetings. I got to talk to other alcoholics all the time. Um, I got to do service work. Right. So throughout that year, I was speaking at other meetings, you know, doing, being the zoom host for meeting that's service work. Right. Um, I was sponsoring another woman, um, going, sometimes going to five meetings a week. Um, and 
so I had connections to other people and, you know, social psychologists would probably say that was important, but also I had a connection, controversial statement. I had a connection to my higher power. Mm-hmm. I had the, I had the knowledge that if I stay sober, I'm going to be okay. Mm. I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. No matter what, in a way, like I believe we're all kind of taken care of on one level or another, but it is so much easier for me to roll with the universe's will if my sobriety is good. Mm-hmm. To roll with the terrible things that happened. Yep. You know, the hurtful things that happened this past year. They hurt a lot. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of heartbreak where you like you really feels like your heart is breaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also I had people come to me asking about sobriety all the time, all the time. Uh, I'm especially um, grateful to see that one woman actually wound up totally following through and she's sober today Mm -hmm. and she's a good friend and, you know, it doesn't, that's a kind of rare thing. (laughs) Yeah. And so to see her, um, you know, flourish and blossom in her sobriety gives me hope for myself, actually. And, you know, I also realized that, I mean, I guess what I've already sort of said this, I'll say it explicitly, is that the things that were helping me stay sober and giving me strength and hope just through my own personal, you know, uh, turbulence and sadness would it was was help me get through the pandemic yeah 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 like all of that yeah and so i i kind of realized this is worth sharing i mean it's a sobriety column but honestly like i think the tools of recovery are helpful to anyone that wants to use them yeah that's what i saw that's what i I, the, the first thing that came to mind when i saw this and read this and i've watched your journey is powerful vulnerability and and it's and it's leadership by example right and and i think leadership is about sacrifice and that often means exposing your pain or telling your truth or leaving yourself vulnerable and you you know you being out there and 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 sharing but also the it coinciding with what you're really great at which is writing right like when i read your writing you responding to these issues is like the magic spot it just feels like watching somebody in the zone um, and I think it's going to be hugely successful. It's already been very, very well received because you're getting at the core. Like everybody's not okay. And and we need leaders to help us through this tough time. And I looked at it in the beginning of the pandemic and said, okay, I see what's going to happen. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a battlefield. I'm picking up my, my kids and I'm picking up my wife and as many other people as I can. And I'm going to run through that battlefield and try to get to the other side and lose as few as possible. That was my strategy. Now that may not have been the right. I was going to. I was, was going to say I have thoughts on that. But that was my. That was that was my approach. That, and we all we, we we all we we all had an approach, right? We yep. all said okay. And some yep. of us saw it coming. Some of us didn't. Some of us thought it was going to be six months, two years. But I do view it as an extreme. You know, the turbulence is the new normal. 
right? Yep. And, and there is no end. This is just the new normal, right? And so how do you get through that? And for me and for the people that I touch and I've been inspired by, it's leaders and leadership that's out in front that we can look up to, that we can get life hacks from, that we can draw inspiration from, um, that we can grieve with, because that's a part of this too, I think, is that we're, we're not really grieving. And, and I was hoping that Biden could kind of help us through that grieving. And, and at times he does, but now we're in another fight. So it's like that, that we have to have this open conversation. And I think you're doing a tremendous service in that. Uh, and especially you're talking to a show where, look, we talk about drinking. You know, I've, I asked many guests what their favorite drink is. You know, we've talked about that. We're doing a, a podcast on cannabis. And this is this is all everybody trying to figure out their way through. And And I think you're being really um, powerful and, and thoughtful about it. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So can I ask you, as you go through that, right, and we are always going through it, um, where did you look to your sobriety, your faith? Were there leaders that you saw that, that, that you could look to yeah, to help it, you through that? It's funny because in AA, and I, I, I already messed up. You're not supposed to talk specifically about AA. So I'll say in 12-step <laughs> programs, um, you, there are 12 steps, which people are familiar with, and there's 12 traditions as well, which are the guiding principles that, that help us um, govern ourselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what's funny about them is that we don't govern ourselves. And I went to a meeting this morning that was about the second tradition, which is we have no leaders, but trusted servants. And yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, I mean, we have people who are elected to lead a meeting, right? But they're there to make sure the doors are open at the church at 6 p.m., right? They're there to make sure everybody gets heard. They're there to make sure a share doesn't go over time. Like, they have a job to do, right? They are a trusted servant. And the way AA governs itself is sort of Robert's Rules of Order, but everything has to be by consensus and not just a vote, (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, the minority party, uh, the minority always gets a chance to speak. Um, and people who are selected to quote unquote lead those kinds of decisions, which aren't, don't happen in regular meetings, by the way, no one who wants to go to 12th with me, don't worry. Like the stuff I'm talking about happens outside of it. <laughs> like, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You won't, won't have to worry about this, this kind of like, you know, administrative bullshit in a regular meeting. Um, like those of us who are elected to a position of, of trusted service. And like, I have been. I got to keep my fucking mouth shut. Like I remember I did this kind of early in sobriety. I ran, I ran, I, I helped facilitate a hundred person meeting and that there'd be business meetings and people would bring up changes they wanted to make to this meeting, which had been going on for like 60 years. And I would, I, of course I saw immediately what a terrible idea it was. (laughs) And I had to just sit on my fucking hands and bite my tongue. And trust that the group would sort it out. Mm. And I think this is actually an answer to your question about leadership, because that's Mm -hmm. about trusting my higher power. Mm -hmm. That this may be a terrible idea, but it's supposed to happen on some level. Mm. Mm. The group is going to have to experience whatever happens with this decision. Mm. And Mm. me weighing in is not helpful. Mm. It's not helpful for me to do that. It's helpful for me to make sure the minority position is recognized. 
it's helpful for me to be the person that calls on people, right? But for me to try and influence the decision from my position, hmm. putting finger on the scale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the only person that mm-hmm. should put their finger on the scale is my higher power. <laughs> mm-hmm. So does that make sense to you? It like, does. It, do, it does. It, it's, it's also, it's also redefining leadership at a time when, you know, I, I will speak from my truth, right. It, and, yeah. and coming from the military community over the last 20 years, it's been hard to hear people talk about leadership mm. when we have sacrificed so much and seen so much. Right. And so the idea of servant leadership is something that I think the military community explores a lot and teaches a lot. And Oh, and I think so. I mean, my dad right? was in the military, my family yeah. you know, might come from military family. And I definitely think the best yeah. um, leaders anywhere, but I, I think it does extend to, to military leadership is you are a trusted servant. Like you are, yeah, yeah you, you make decisions, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. sometimes well, so- they're unpopular decisions, but you are serving. Yeah. I've shared I've shared this before on, on this show. My friend, Dave Chastine, who went to seminary school said once that if America was a religion, veterans would be the clergy like there 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 is a there is a, a trusted faith in being the guardians of the values or whatever and, and we're not the only ones but i think that that has been tested and manipulated in the last you know a couple of decades in so many ways and then you have this 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 redefining of leadership on the, on the national scale from an obama to a trump to now a biden to what's next and you know i see People like my friend Wes Moore, who's been a guest on this show, who I think is showing a different kind of servant leadership. And he's talking about his faith and he's doing things a little bit differently. But I think I've seen a lot of that in the veterans community, the activist community and beyond. But a lot of them have been on the sidelines. Right. They haven't jumped in the arena that you and I have, frankly, been in for the last 20 years now. Um, somebody said to me once that IAVA's membership was kind of like a giant AA network. Right. It was a place for us to yeah. gather. Oh, we had shared I, values. Clicks. Right? Totally yeah. clicks. And, and yeah. so so is 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 are we really seeing, you know, like this is a better model than Congress? This is a better model than than how we're I leading mean, more broadly, because. You, you've explored it. You've had people on. We're talking about The Expanse, right, which is a great you know, case study. But you have a contrast of leadership styles. And by default, in times like this, I think people are looking to, to external um, and looking for life hacks, right, Whether, right, right? Uh, to get you through a hard time or get you through a day. And one of the things I've been doing that a friend taught me is win the day. You know, you can't win the day, try to get through this day, win the day. And I heard, read you, I've read what you've been writing. And, you know, there's a bit of a spirit of that there. But oh, for yeah. my kids, well, as we say, yeah. one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And and if you try to win every single day, you're not going to win every day. You know, it, it can be tomorrow, but you can win this day. And, well, and and that is, that's my view. But but what do you think about this? Um, th- th- what you're talking about is a different kind of life structure Yeah. Um, at a time when, our politics and and our media a large are the opposite of that. Yeah. Well, the thing about the kind of um, beautiful mess that something like a 12 step organization is, is that those kinds of it's, I often say like AA is the longest running anarchist organization in the world. <laughs> yeah, it is like, it is, yeah. there is, it is. Yeah. If, and I know anarchists who are sober who say this, yeah, yeah. Right. We have no leaders. We have but trusted servants. Right. I actually 
was doing one of the AMAs for this, for the sci-fi show and talking about this and someone posted into the chat, like the Monty Python, Holy Grail sketch about like, we're an Arco Sindalist commune, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's AA. <laughs> that's yeah. Totally AA. Um, but the thing is those kinds of organizations really only work when there's a higher purpose involved and people know and agree on what that higher purpose is. Right. So that you can be a servant to that higher purpose, if nothing else. Right. Mm, mm -hmm. And in theory, a national government should be able to do that. Right. (laughs) But no, you know, no, you know, we have different values. You're going to need to make decisions in a different way. That's, I just understand that that's the way the world works. Like in my perfect universe, would all things run this way? Yes. Yes, Mm. they would. Mm. But I recognize that's never going to happen. So we just do the best we can, right? Mm. Like we try to find the servant leaders that we like the best and trust the most, you know? And I think probably I, I, I AVA works because it is, it does have a higher purpose, right? Like it, and everyone agrees what the higher right. purpose is. Right, so if you right. have a fight about something, you can be like, well, does this serve the higher purpose or not? Yeah. Right. But there's, but there's also tremendous structure and discipline well, and, yeah. and right like which which well, is a I would part say of this, AA right? has like, structure it just doesn't yeah. have leaders right right you know right. like yeah, we, yeah yeah we have yeah. you know you go to a meeting anywhere in the world and it's gonna feel real familiar yep yep yeah I, I took my mother once this was i don't know how long ago it was my mother and i went on a journey to hungary which is where my grandmother and her mother were was was born and um we took a, we met up in hung in Budapest and we, we went to the homeland and did this journey. And I took my mother to an Al-Anon meeting in Budapest. Oh, <laughs> like we so took a public. Someone, we, you, we, you mentioned Al-Anon. That doesn't get enough attention in the world. So thank right, you. Well, yeah. We, well, we, yeah, but we, we took a, we took a public bus, I think. And, and she went inside and I sat in the park, but like there was this, you know, I had, my mother's been going to Al-Anon for decades um, and, and I felt that community and maybe that's what I want to put a finger on that I think is also missing right now. The community in this country is shattered and I've tried mm-hmm. to create it with the show and all of my work. And I think you have done that with your work and this, this sense of, of any positive community in the absence of it, you've got the oath keepers and you've got the free, the freedom truckers and all these other variations, which is in my view, a lot, a lot of people looking for community. Oh, I, for purpose, I, understand. Right? I feel like I get yeah. it. Yeah. So as a part of that, I want to pull this apart because the other priority that I see in all of this that isn't recognized and focused on and and has resources leaned against is mental health. Like we Mm -hmm. talk about it on this show a lot. I've been open about it. You've been extremely open about it. Um, Can can you frame up given we're in a shitty situation, right? Um, I think the mental health crisis is maybe like one of the most urgent parts of that shitty situation because it impacts everybody. When we say the kids are not all right, mothers are not all right. I think everybody's not all right. Right. It's, 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 it's Syria after war. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, can you just talk about that? Like, where do you, how do you prioritize? Is this sort of the life hacky part? Yes, it is really, but, but also, but also I'm pulling you back maybe reluctantly into politics. Like, what do we need to see? from oh, politics right. I'm gonna go, with regard to mental health. I'm going to go easier to harder then, right? Yeah. I'm going to do yeah. life hack stuff first. Yeah, yes, please. Um, which is when I said earlier that I use the tools of recovery to survive the pandemic, I want to let people know what those are so that they can think about those tools in their life, Thank right? You. Yeah. Um, the first one is community. Like 
find find your people. And I don't, I mean, some people are like, oh, Zoom doesn't feel whatever. Like if that's what we have to do, we have to do Zoom, right? If you if that's what's available, that's what's available. And I don't think it matters what that community is quote unquote about, right? Like it can be a knitting group, right? Mm-hmm. It can be a fan group, an expanse community. We're just going to talk about the expanse like a, like a little bit in every segment. We're just going to mention. We had, hey, we had we had West Chatham on this show. We talked. Yeah. I, I have I am I am so, an evangelist for the expanse more than almost anything right. else. So it can be a fan community. That. It can yeah. be, but it also has to meet right. Like that's kind of part of the part mm. of it. It has to like mm. you have to like have some kind of time when you spend you spend with each other. You right? have to show up. You have to show you have to up. Show up. Yep. yep. And that gets almost so elegantly to the second thing, which is service. Mm. Um, I tell newcomers in, in AA showing up to a meeting is service because what if no one showed up or what if only one person showed up, right? So showing up to a meeting is a form of service. And I, I know people have started writing groups during the pandemic. Like that's another idea, right? Like doing artist yeah. way or something yeah. like, again, I don't think it really matters. What matters is showing up. And that also what this is one of the things it's a kind of accountability and it's helpful to when someone is stopped showing up, there's a group of people who care. Right. There's a group of people to say, what happened? Where's so-and-so, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen in fan groups, right? Mm-hmm. I've seen people be like, Hey, you know what? We haven't seen Dave in a while. Like maybe, maybe someone should, should direct message him or we should figure out like, is he doing okay? You know? And that's just natural human thing to do, by the way. I don't think you need to be, <laughs> yeah. I don't think you, I kind of don't think you need to be told to do it once, because once you're in that community, it matters. Yeah. But that second thing is, well, I guess there, I'm going to say three things because it's always good to have three things. But the second thing is service. Uh-huh. And I would encourage, this is what I used to say on my show about like learning to get along with people who may, you may disagree with politically is find a volunteer position that's not about politics Hmm. where Hmm. you might run into people that you disagree with Hmm. because working side by side with someone you disagree with is the best way to get to know that person beyond their opinions and to care about that person beyond their opinions and have that person care about you. Yeah. And you may never change their mind, but also Paul, that's the only way minds get changed. Mm, yeah. The only yeah, way I minds mean, get changed. I mean, you're making, you're making a great case for, for compulsory service in America, right? Which would be a, 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 a policy <laughs> yeah. initiative that yeah. I have supported and yeah. others have supported because we don't have that connection in the same way. You know, and we also previous were geographically were, siloed too, right? Yeah. So. Right. And, there, and there's no, and there's no forced mixing, right? Like mm-hmm. that's part of what the military did was, you know, the dude from Alabama and the dude from the Bronx or lives depend on each other. And, and I keep going back to, to leadership because leadership can guide that. And when, you know, Bush stands up after 9-11 and says, don't worry about it, go shopping. And when Trump, you know, thrives off division and now Biden struggles to create community, people default to the places that they feel provide leadership and community. And this is a, this is a, maybe an inartful pivot into the media right now. Oh no, I have a third, I have a third tool. Okay, cool. cool. We got to stop. I'm sorry. I got to do my third tool. Go ahead. Go ahead. Please, please. (laughs) So there's community 
community and service and being in a community is a kind of service. Although I'd also advise try to find like a, a service service. Right. And especially mm-hmm. something that has nothing to do with politics. I always recommend dog walking, like volunteering <laughs> for an animal shelter because I'm an animal person, but also everyone loves dogs. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to meet different kinds of people if you do service at an animal shelter. Right. Okay. And then the third one is the, is the, um, woo woo thing, which is, um, like I say higher power, right. But you can say universe. You can say the principle of freedom. Mm. You can say, uh, the organization that I believe in the most, right? But it is really important to have something you trust, you know, and something Mm -hmm. you can believe in. I think principles and universe, nature, gravity, like- Mm -hmm. (laughs) Does does the future qualify? Because when we think about like the expanse and we think about this time and like there, there is a sense of living in the now and it's hard to think about the future, but for people- you know, we're doing this for our kids or we're doing this for the future. Like, it, does that, does that work anymore? Or is it too dystopian to, 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 well, to I mean, you've, to- you've talked to the expanse folks and I know I, I've talked to, um, the Ty and Ty and that guy. Ty and that yep. guy. Yep. Um, we, we, we had that guy on and yeah, I hope right. I've told uh, him he, he, he needs to go on your show. Um, yeah. Wes, if you're listening, you got to go on, on a show. Got to go on my show. Uh, absolutely. And, one of the things that makes the expanse so great is that underneath what is a lot of cynicism and irony, there is hope for humanity. Right. Yeah. And I would say, I would take your future and turn it into humanity. That's great. Right. Yeah. And the reason that's important and the reason it's a tool and not just an idea is that when things go wrong, when you are down, when you feel like you've done everything you can and nothing has changed, you need to be able to say, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my thing that I'm having pain about right now is part of some larger process mm. that is balance in the universe. And it has meaning. The pain that I am feeling right now has meaning. Mm. So it, it, and it will, and I, it, it, it gives other people strength to know that they're not alone in their pain. And that's yeah. a huge part of that, that, that the leadership by example that I think, you know, mm-hmm. leaders, leaders don't always volunteer. Sometimes, you know, they're volunteered by the community. Right. And, and so I, I just, I hope it continues to grow because you've got a community that has followed you from Wonkette to MTV to all these other places and will continue to follow you. But I got to get you to respond if I can, please, okay, on, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. On, this, on this moment, Sorry. because if, if the personalities are creating churches, okay, right. Joe Rogan built a big church. Okay. Dan Bongino has got a big church. Rachel Maddow has a church, right? There are these churches where all over the place where people are seeking community and, and they are increasingly, it seems, and maybe that's always been the case that, you know, is Rogan the evolution of Howard Stern and Imus and Rush Limbaugh and whatever else, right? But there's always been a power within the media that can even, you know, extend beyond politics. And it feels as though we're in a moment where that is happening, right? Where you can be a force for good and someone else can be in their ear as a force for bad. So can you, can you tell me your thoughts on that landscape where you were, you were first, you know, you were one of the first people on Twitter, 
right. right? Long before Trump got on Twitter, you were doing a podcast early on. I don't know when Rogan was still small, mm-hmm. right? Like you were ahead of all of these things that are now increasingly influential and, you know, powerful tools for good or bad. Can you, you know, just talk about your thoughts on that landscape in the, in this moment, the sort of the landscape of the cult of personality. Yes. Especially where, you know, Rogan has been the story for three weeks now. Right. Well, Um, I mean, I guess I'll just have to comment that when I said, have a belief in something, right. It can't be a person. (laughs) Like the higher power. The one thing I would advise is you can't make it a person. The person is that's going to not work out for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. um, and I, I think that the problem with not the problem, but something that you see in these cults of personalities is actually something we've already touched on a bit, which is that they're silos. Um, I think these cults of personality would not be so bad, would not be so destructive if the people that were fans could also be fans of something else too, mm. right? Mm. Yeah. And also know people who were fans of something else and be, that's, science shows us that the more you listen to something, the more you're exposed to a specific kind of opinion, the more you're exposed to a lie, the harder and harder it is to undo. And what's more if you if you see or hear uh, something that goes against that untruth or that belief, whatever it is, the brain will start to react as though that's a threat, mm. and even further inscribe that belief. And the only way around that physiological response is to gain context for both your own understanding and for the other people's understanding. Mm to know why someone else believes what they believe, to know why you believe what you believe. And so it becomes a belief and not just a part of you, if that makes sense. So you can recognize it is like, oh, I'm really slavishly following Joe Rogan. Gosh, (laughs) yeah. maybe I should talk to someone, you know, maybe it it makes people mentally flexible and that's what we need. We need well, yeah, not to change minds, but to give people the capacity to change their minds. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you a thousand percent. And it actually takes me to a place that I wanted to go to with you, which is, you know, you have um, checked out or cho- removed yourself from many of these places, right? That you've chosen to, right? However you want to frame it. Um but many other people are doing that too. As many people are getting involved in politics are also checking out of politics. And we talk a lot about the unaffiliated independents that are 42% and growing in this country, the none of the above people. Some of them are, I don't like my options. Some of them are fuck all the options, right? Like there, there's the group of people in the middle there. And so we explore that a lot. And we talk about that a lot. The fact that there are people who are also that, uh, that beholden to the Democratic Party. And to the Republican Party. So as you've checked out of these things, have you checked out of, I don't know if you're a Democrat or not, but have you checked out of the Democratic Party? And where? what do you think about this landscape of alternatives from a political standpoint uh, as we look for options? If I don't like the Democrats, and I don't like the Republicans, but I want to stay involved. What are my options? Well, this kind of goes back to that mental flexibility and the ability to recognize things as beliefs and not identities. 
Mm. I vote Democrat. I do not consider myself a Democrat. Like, it's not part of my identity anymore. I used to very much think of myself that way. Um, but I kind of recognize now the Democratic Party is a thing apart from me that makes decisions that oftentimes I disagree with. So when I'm looking to support a candidate, I am looking to support a candidate that I think will make decisions that I agree with. Right now, I can't think of it. Well, now there are DSA candidates running. <laughs> so I've had the opportunity to vote for a DSA candidate for like a, a city council type thing. Right. Um, but again, in like, Austin, in Austin, uh, no, it was in Minneapolis, or, I believe. Oh, um, oh. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't, I also would say what I kind of like, I don't consider myself a member of the DSA either. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a group of people who I may choose to throw my lot in with at some point. Right. But that's, I can call myself a democratic socialist. Right. That's probably a good description of what I believe in terms of politics, mm. but it's not my total identity in a way. It's sort of like people sometimes don't understand, like when in meetings, people say, I'm an alcoholic, you identify yourself as an alcoholic. That's not my identity, but that's, that is, I got the disease of alcoholism. Right, that's for right, sure. Right. You right, know, right, like that's right. one of the things like, right, right, and I, right. I cannot forget that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the total who, who I am. And my mother, my mother often corrects me. My mother is probably right now working um, you know, with, with people who are struggling with addiction and, and mental health, um, recovery. I mean, my mother has been a hero for me in so many ways. And she always corrects me and says, someone isn't bipolar. They have bipolar, right. And those sorts of identities. And even at the way we talk about suicide, changing the vernacular around that. And you're doing a great job of that. It's been such an important part of my work in the last 20 years, but also my own education in understanding how to talk about these things in ways that are productive and accurate even. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and as, so as we think about those identities, like there's never been an Al-Anon candidate, right. But the firefighters, that we know of. A, I don't know, know, right? That, that's what I'm asking, right? Like there, there are these movements. I like, know if anybody, someone who's Alan on and who's been in in government, who's been in elected yeah. office. That they don't necessarily want to share that. Uh, like, I mean, Joe Joe Rogan has been has been effective in you know you get conspiracy theorists, you get like. Uh, fanatical workout people you get uh ufc fans right, right? You, like these are all little little communities that have never really been harnessed politically you know by a candidate or maybe maybe they will be in the future but there's there there i keep coming back to it because there's so much reasonableness or, or, or so much um practicality in these communities and i use you know aa as as one of them like uh how how do you how do you become a part of that how do you how do you stay a part of that and um do you just check your politics at the door and say like all oh, these for, great values for AA and, and specifically? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's also getting back to the idea that, um, that my, that the three things I think are helpful, um, and the, the belief in something, um, is the higher purpose, right? Mm, mm. Like I believe that AA is a higher purpose than any, like, is a higher purpose in my life. My sobriety and my service to AA are of a higher purpose than anything else in my life. Mm. Mm. Um, including my politics. Mm. Right. Uh, and 
I, I hope that that is true for others. I've had people bring up, you know, politics comes into AA. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> after, you know, I lived in Minneapolis during the summer of George Floyd. Mm. And he was actually part of the sober community in AA. Mm. I had friends. I mean, I didn't have a, I had like a second degree connection to him, let's say. Um, I had a friend who knew someone who had worked with him as in sobriety. And um, the people of color in Minneapolis meetings needed to talk about some stuff. Mm. You know? Mm. And the question became, is that political? Yeah. But I, I think that the, 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 the challenge or, or the, the reality is that we are so. Some people in AA up. are going to get so mad about this. But no, that's okay. Well, you know, <laughs> they, can, they can talk about it. They can talk about it in a meeting. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the, 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 the political situation, the political anxiety, the political tumult, the political leadership or their lack of is a part of what, you know, what, what I don't know if the correct term, but why driving people to drink, right? right. Like, and, sure. and, and that, and that is, it, it's difficult to, to pull these two apart, but I think there's an important moment where, look, I remember when John McCain, you know, couldn't talk about mental health because he would be identified as someone with PTSD. He'd be a broken vet. Right. And now, you know, you've got Jason Kander and people like that who can come out in public and talk about their PTSD. And there's an evolution that is really important. But I still feel like Al-Anon is is not there. Maybe there are a lot more public people than I than I see. But I think that the, these seals need to be broken. Right. About you know, mental Al-Anon health. About Al- Al-Anon oh, sorry, I, so, I'm sorry. I, I, I always say Al-Anon because my mother talks right. about it so much. But well, people but, should know. But I, thank break, you. Al-Anon it, is the group the uh, for people who have a loved one or a friend yes. who is. Yes. Uh, uh, dealing with addiction or alcohol. Yes. So, yeah. And then what do you call all of the A's? A gambler's anonymous, overeaters anonymous? 12-step st- programs. And that's okay. usually, like I've been bad in this conversation about referring to the general idea of 12-step programs, no. which by the way, everything that I've said, you could just sub in 12-step program. Right. And they all work the same way. They all right. work. They all use the same 12 steps and just change the first word in the first step, which says yeah. powerless over alcohol. Other groups say powerless over fill in the blank. Yeah. yeah. And the rest of the stuff is the same. Yeah. Has there ever like this this is symbolic things I think are important here, especially in a time where we're talking about so many symbolic things that are bigger than that. But like for a long time, you know, Vietnam veterans would tell me we need a Vietnam vet in the white house and they never got one, right. (laughs) They got close, but has there ever been a 12 step meeting in the white house? Uh, Well, there probably has been. Um, We just don't know about it. Right. Um, And I'm not sure if we should. To be totally honest, I don't. Yeah. However, Marty Walsh, our our secretary of uh, housing, commerce. I don't know what is commerce, it. Commerce housing. One, I, I, I feel so bad. I'll look at um, former mayor of Boston. We should both know. I know. We should both La- know. labor, labor, labor. Yes, labor. of course, labor. labor. Right, because he's got that yeah. Boston accent. So yeah, well, it's gotta be labor. Yeah, and it's the Democrats, and they're going to pick a, a, an Irish Catholic labor guy from yeah. Boston. So yeah. he's been sober for like 20, 30 years, something like that. Um, yeah. And if I can tell a small story, please, um, because AA is such a really a small world and everyone has a connection to everyone. Uh, at some point in my sobriety, I knew someone who, you know, had been going to meetings in Boston and knew Marty Walsh for meetings. And... <laughs> gave me Marty Walsh's number to call if I felt like I wanted to drink. Mm. 
And I don't think I'm breaking anonymity here, right? He's out, right? He, and that just tells me he's of service. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's someone who would pick up that call, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just, that floors me. That absolutely floors mm. me. I believe Stephen, I've heard that Stephen King is the same way. Mm. And you're, you've been on his podcast quite a bit too, right? No. Or, wait, oh, Steve you have Oh, I thought you had been on his podcast. Wait, he has a podcast? Stephen King, the writer Stephen know. King, has a podcast? I, th- I hope so. I don't I know. Hope I hope so. Might, but right? I don't think he does. This, I am, I am great on, on Twitter. A, I am actually a regular on a Stephen King podcast that's just about Stephen King. Oh, that's what I, that's what I read. Okay. That okay. I absolutely, okay. I am on the nerdiest podcast, man. Like, yeah. I, this, I read King, that. So that's why I thought there was a connection. I was going to be like, I was going to be like, oh my God. Like, okay. <laughs> Well, I hope Stephen King. I hope Stephen. I hope Stephen King comes on my podcast and your podcast. Yeah. But because he, I mean, look, this is this is a tangent, but but he has an insight into pain and vulnerability and a lot of the things that we've been talking about, right? Yeah. And and he's one of those guys I look across. I go, I'm glad he's talking about politics. Like there are people that that seem to have broken the seal in the Trump administration, and uh, you know, since the Trump and and are now out there and leaders of different kinds and. You know, maybe to pull it all back together. I think we need those leaders in these tough times. Oh, we need oh, to go back. Also, we need people yeah. who are out in their recovery for sure, and we need them in yeah. positions of power. Yeah. Um, yeah, because there is a stigma still attached to all kinds of mental health, to um, addictions and alcoholism. And what I think is interesting, I wrote a column about Marty Walsh actually, and what I think is interesting is people assume that. Um, like someone who has an addiction, especially if it's someone who lives one day at a time with their addiction, they can't be trusted, mm-hmm. right? They might slip up anytime. Mm-hmm. That's called being human, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. what you do is you look at their record. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd want someone who was like a month sober in office, right? <laughs> like that might, I'd have to really think about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as anyone running for office, Anyone running for office can, can, can screw up in a way that hurts you, right? So right. we all live one day at a time. We all live on the precipice of making a mistake, mm. sometimes a big mistake. Mm. And what we can be joyful at the end of the day, like I don't like win the day. I kind of like survive the day in a way. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I mean, for me, I st- if I stayed sober, then fuck it, man, I won. Like you yeah. want to say winning, I won. Like, yeah. And, but that is, everyone should be able to say that if you got through this day with your sanity intact, with your loved ones around you, with a pillow to put your head on, you won, you won. Congratulations and celebrate it. (laughs) You know, well, we, we have one having you on this show. Finally, Um, I, you have agreed to stick around for a couple of questions for our Patreon members. So if you're not one, you should be, because I'm going to ask, um, Anna, the, the, the questions we always ask, which will include, I'll save it for like, what is your non-alcoholic drink of choice? Okay. Because that, that is a, a, something we've been talking about. Can I ask you, what do you think, and this is a hard thing to put on you, but you've been answering hard questions in media for a long time now. Um, what do you feel like is, is the most important um, thing for people to, to think more about in the context of all this beyond the obvious, but like, as you, as you go through this, and this is not so much a life hack, but, you know, political social analysis, right? You've been elevating issues for a long time. Ukraine might be at war by the time that this, this drops. Um, there's all this dynamism. 
but you know, with the microphone you've got, as we end on this, what, what should folks, we say, stay vigilant. We say, look for the helpers. A lot of that is themes in this show, but as a part of that vigilance, what's something we can keep an eye on or root for beyond the expanse and your column, of course. The first thing that comes to mind is community. Mm. Um, the second thing that comes to mind and it's such a, sounds like such a cliche these days is self-care. Mm. Um, and those should be in the opposite order. Uh, you can't, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first. If mm. a broken person has a really hard time helping another broken person, they can be, they can, right? But like you can be an ally, but if you're broken and maybe some people don't like the term broken or whatever, if, if you're struggling, um, it's okay to put a priority on your own struggle. Mm. Mm. But that second piece is community, right? Never lose connection with service. Never lose connection with the idea that is part of your duty in the world. Like, I believe this. Like, I believe I, it is part of, I am to take care of myself. This is actually, you might be familiar. There's there's a phrase in the Bible kind of about this. Mm-hmm. and to love others something mm-hmm. like that i believe that's mm-hmm. how it goes mm-hmm. uh so my first duty is to myself um and that we are trained to think that's selfish but i don't believe it is um because it, it's not about things it's about my myself my my being as a whole person right mm-hmm. but part of my being healthy as a whole person is loving others mm-hmm. i can't be healthy as a whole person in isolation. Mm. Right. Mm. Mm. So, you know, and I am very lucky in that I am a 12 step program and that 12 step program is right. Does that for like, that's part of being in it. Right. Yep. Is I take care of myself, but I also have to do service. Like, and that service, by the way, is for me in a way. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I get probably more out of it. Mm than whoever it is I'm doing service for. Mm. Mm. Uh, and if you can do those two things, if you can keep that balance in your life, you can get through a lot. Mm. You have, you have given us, uh, one of my mentors and friends was a mental health expert. And when we were deep in the suicide fight, he'd say, look, man, you know, it's not a pill. It's not a therapist. It's hope and connection. Mm-hmm. That those are the things that save lives. Those are the things that get people through it. And that is been, been um, something that's always stuck with me. And it's what I'm left with in this conversation. You're giving us hope. You're giving us connection. And I think your column is genius and, and such a great um, way for you to flex all of your best talents and your powerful vulnerability and your leadership. So you've been really, really intrepid for a long time. And this is a powerful exciting moment where I'm rooting for you. And I know a lot of other folks are are rooting for you and I'm thankful that you joined us and I hope to get to Austin soon to hang out. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I moved here, honestly, like is because people visit here and I have Ah. a guest bedroom, but unfortunately I also have (laughs) a part German shepherd dog. So, um, Sorry. <laughs> well, to, to be continued. Until then, I hope you'll come back on the show. Right. Anna Marie Cox, thank you, and please stay vigilant. Thank you.
self-care and community. Anna nailed it. She really nailed it. And I'm so thankful for her candor, for her strength, for her powerful vulnerability, and for her leadership. She's one of them that we talk about in every episode of this show. She's one of the helpers. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. Anna's a true helper. So check out her work as mentioned in this episode. Check out Sober Questioning, her powerful new column for New York Magazine's The Cut. Check out Space the Nation, the science fiction and politics podcast that she co-hosts with Dan Dresner. And check out The Churn, a podcast that Anna does about The Expanse, which is one of our favorite sci-fi shows. You've heard about it in this show in a very awesome episode 114 we did with Wes Chatham. Wes Chatham, who is Amos, Amos Burton himself from the show The Expanse. But Anna Marie does a podcast about that. And of course... Check her out on Twitter, where she has over a million followers. It's all in the show notes. You can check it out. Anna is a true helper. And especially right now, helpers are out there. So look for the helpers. And check the hashtag, look for the helpers on Twitter and on social media. And share yours with me. A shout out to our Patreon members. They are helpers. They help make this show possible. And you can join our Patreon community and much more if you take your sights on over to independentamericans.us. And if you are one of those Patreon members, you will be getting an exclusive piece of content from this show with Anna Marie Cox, where I talk to her about her favorite drink, non-alcoholic type. We talk about what she's watching, and she, of course, answers the epic question of pancakes versus waffles. That goes to our Patreon members only, which you can join if you go to independentamericans.us. You can see video of my conversation with Anna Marie Cox. You can see inside her Austin home. You can share that video with your friends who don't listen to podcasts. And you can get Independent Americans gear and more. You can also see me rocking some very, very, very new cool gear from Uncle Montel, the OG of Weed, the new show from Righteous Media. You're going to love the hoodies, and I'm rocking one in this episode. You can find those at UncleMontel.us and see See it in the video. And if you go to our website, we've got lots of other helpers to motivate you through February, including our last two episodes on Ukraine, Afghanistan, and more with Dan Lamont from The Washington Post and Molly McHugh, the Russian misinformation expert who warned us in the last episode about exactly what we're seeing in Ukraine right now. She told us what was coming. And it happened right after she cautioned us on this show. Russia hit Ukraine with a cyber attack focused on its banks and government websites, including the site for the defense ministry. We talked about it in the last episode. If you haven't heard it, check it out. It's linked at independentamericans.us. You can also see that episode 114 with Wes Chatham from The Expanse. Please check out that website and share it far and wide and support us by going to the Apple Podcast Store and giving us five stars. Be sure to subscribe for absolutely free and share. I hope it brings you energy. I hope it brings you support. I hope it brings you some self-care. And I hope you can share it with your friends, your family, and anybody else in need of a boost. Righteous is continuing to bring you the five eyes in all our podcasts and everything we do, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And it's about 
community. It's about building community. We emphasize self-care and we are trying to spread the hope. And it's thanks to the Righteous Media team, the powerful dynamos that make everything we do possible, creative Chris Rosenthal, brilliant Bill Schultz, and precise Paula Hernandez. They also make the Firefighters podcast happen. I've told you about it, but check out Rob Sarah, Firefighter Rob Sarah's brand new episode. He's sounding off about the firefighter that was shot in California. You may not have heard, but a firefighter was shot in California. He also talks about another 9-11 hero that recently died. And he talks to a fascinating guy, Al Berry, who went from Hot 97 Hip Hop Radio doing a morning show with Ed Lover and Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre, the New York one, not the one who just performed at the Super Bowl. But Al Berry worked with them on Hot 97, then went into the FDNY and responded to 9-11. It's a hell of a story. So check out the Firefighters podcast anywhere you get this or at thefirefighters.us. And Frankie, Rob Sarah's daughter, is back with a special recipe for Sunday sauce. It's another episode full of heart and spirit and information. So check it out and share and help us keep this broader community around Righteous Media growing. Of course, I want to send big thanks to my amazing wife and my two boys. As I've shared before, we've been watching the Olympics, which, in my view, is really some of the best family TV there is. And it's been snowing outside, so we've been able to watch the Olympics and then try the Olympics outside. And my six-year-old has absolutely fallen in love with Monobob. If you don't know what Monobob is... It's basically the bobsled of your six-year-old dreams. It's a one-person bobsled, and it's amazing. And my son keeps asking if he can get one of these bobsleds to take on our local sledding hill. It probably cost me about half a million dollars, and I don't have that. But we have been outside a lot, despite the cold, and we've been moving pretty fast, and we've been doing some skiing. Good job, Ryder. Good job, man. Stay to the right. Good. Rocking it now. <laughs> Good job, buddy. That's not the Olympics. That's us skiing down a mountain. Ryder, six years old, just a few feet from a massive cliffside on the left, and me a few feet behind him, proud, watching, concerned, and vigilant, making sure he doesn't go off a cliff, but inspired. And he is getting ready for the 2032 Olympics now. And if you have ever tried to take kids skiing, you know that getting little kids dressed for skiing is one of the most patience-testing parenting challenges there is. But few things are better than seeing them soar on their own. So, especially in this time, here's to all you parents and coaches out there that are helping kids fly in every kind of way. And speaking of coaches, of course... We watch the Super Bowl, and I love Super Bowl Sunday. I think it's just fun, but it's also cool because America is generally excited. America's focused on the same thing, spending time with family and friends, and everybody across the country is hoping for the best. It also comes in the coldest part of February when we need it the most, and I think it's a truly great American invention, and it was a hell of a game. It was hard to top the most amazing playoffs ever, but it was a really good Super Bowl. I was wrong about my pick, but pretty close about the spread, just the wrong way. I had the Bengals and Magic Joe Burrow winning 37 to 35. Instead, it was the Rams 23 to 20, but a fantastic game and lots of commercials. 
including one with tiny toy-sized NFL legends flying around the room. If you saw it, you remember it. It was a commercial directed by our friend of the show, Peter Berg. And I wanted to bring it to your attention because I think that Peter Berg is a genius. And he joined me way back in the early days of this podcast in episode four to talk about another epic Super Bowl commercial that he had done. He talked about that commercial of pulling together some of the greatest NFL legends of all time for the NFL 100 celebration. He took us behind the scenes in the Super Bowl. He talked about preparing for a dinner with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. And he talks about how that massive commercial was shot, how it forced the delay of halftime at the biggest game on the planet. And he talked about what it's like to throw a pass to legendary running back from the Steelers, Franco Harris. We also talk about Friday Night Lights and why Tim Riggins is so damn popular in Hong Kong. So it's a Super Bowl flashback. Go back into the archives at independentamericans.us episode four and check out that conversation with the great director, Peter Berg. But in commercials and in the Super Bowl especially and in life, experience matters. More than anything else, I think that's what the Rams showed in the Super Bowl, especially at QB. Matt Stafford and other experienced players like Aaron Donald, rose to the moment. So congratulations to LA and the Rams, but also and especially to Joe Burrow and the Bengals on an inspiring run. America needed to see that. And the Bengals have created a new generation of beyond Ohio Bengals fans. So thank you to all the players, coaches, and hardworking people all across the NFL, especially the security people, parking, concessions, everybody behind the scenes, on pulling off a truly incredible season. A season that came when this country really needed it. Like America, the NFL is far from perfect, but we still love the hell out of you. And America's more divided than ever, but at Independent Americans and Righteous Media, we are working to change it, to add light, to contrast the heat of other political shows, and to try to bring community and bring a focus on self-care and bring a focus on leadership. And if you're among the 40% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. If you're a Democrat or a Republican, but you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show. If you're a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. All are welcome. This is a community. And we invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. So please keep sharing this show and keep sharing the hope. Because hope is the oxygen of democracy. And it's the energy that will keep this movement of independent Americans growing week by week by week. It'll help us stay vigilant because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom, especially when it comes to vigilance for ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. You need to take care of yourself. Yes, you. So reach out for community and share it. And remember to focus on self-care. And if you or anyone you know is considering suicide or self-harm, contact the Crisis Text Line. You can text CRISIS to 741-741 for free. There's confidential crisis counseling anytime. Or you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or you can reach out to The Trevor Project at 1-866-488-7386. You can Google any one of these and find them online. And you can share them. So if you're struggling, reach out. 
focus on that self-care and reach out. Contact any of those organizations. We'll also link to them in the show notes and at our website. That's a way to extend the community and to help others practice self-care. It's a way to stay vigilant and to help us all keep fighting. No, you're not alone in your vigilance and in your pain. We're in it together. We're all vigilant. We're all in this together. From all our troops in Poland right now, to our Ukrainian allies, to the Russians on the other side, from Matthew Stafford to Odell Beckham to Joe Burrow, from L.A. to Cincinnati, from Alabama Shakes to Christina Aguilera, to Anna Marie Cox, and to every single person out there right now at an AA meeting, and to everyone thinking about going, to you. All across this country, we are all in this together, and we can be a community. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself, and stay vigilant, America. Powered by Righteous Media.